there's there was this one funny uh, place along the route that at the highest point of the route there's a little sign that says look back at where you've come and you you're supposed to be able to see the whole coastline laid out and and all we could see was fog so uh so we didn't actually see any of that but i i knew what it looked like and i was able to you know just uh, you know, I hear, listen to the sound of the ocean and banter with the passing runners. So, so the experience was, was just really fun. Welcome to Part-Time Athletes, a podcast that interviews everyday people about their fitness journeys. This is your host, Brie Outside, and that was runner Dr. Melissa Corley Carter, aka the Barefoot Dancing Rocket Scientist. Melissa is a rocket scientist and Air Force officer turned writer, artist, leadership coach, and resilience champion. And in today's episode, we're going to talk to Melissa about her running journey. Melissa has run a marathon on all seven continents, including Antarctica. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to hear more about that. Uh, In this episode, we're also going to talk a little bit about Melissa's book that's coming out, and it's about running. It's called Running the World, Marathon Memoirs from Seven Continents. So if after listening to this episode, you want to see some photos of the places where Melissa ran, definitely you can check out that book. Really quick before we get started, um, if you have any friends that are new to running or want to start running, or maybe you just want them to start running so they can be your running buddies, I am doing an online running 101 and it includes a six-week beginner running plan uh, that's happening on, I think, July 24th via Zoom. So send those friends to www.breeoutside.com to learn more. Now that that shameless self-promotion is out of the way, let's get started, athletes. So let's start with running. So how did you get started running? How did you find this amazing hobby slash, I don't know, running's always an adventure. So how did you find running? It is an adventure. And, you know, I, I had some fits and starts with it. So uh, the, the my only kind of official running career was probably seventh grade track team, uh, and and I ran hurdles. Uh, I've, I've never really considered myself uh, particularly athletic, uh, and and in my seventh grade track experience, well, I was in a hundred meter uh, hurdle race, and the runner next to me tripped and fell over her hurdle, and I stopped to ask if she was okay. So the whole racing aspect wasn't really my strong suit. <laughs> yeah, uh, it sounds like it. <laughs> but good on you for stopping. A lot of people wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, so that was that's more that's more more about how I run is is you know it's for camaraderie, it's for uh, for the adventure of it, and and it's not really about competition, uh, particularly because I I'm not terribly athletic, so not super competitive as a runner. Um, so that was kind of the first experience, uh, and then and then I actually got into it a little bit more in college when I was in Air Force ROTC. Um, because you you know have to run for a physical fitness test when and also in in boot camp or on field training we did a lot of running and so there you know I was probably in the best shape of my life at, to that point after coming home from field training and ran some uh, little kind of school races with with runner friends from college and and then I got then my my actual next big step of getting into it was when I was in my first Air Force assignment uh, after college. And I had, I had been there for a couple of years. I was actually in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And one of my friends that I worked with was an awesome runner. She was, she was just super adventurous and just loved doing races of all kinds and was super athletic. 
And so aside from the having to pass a physical fitness test every year, uh, I started running longer distances with her. And about that same time, which was in 2006, my mom uh, said, hey, you know, there's a marathon in Big Sur, uh, which is the Big Sur, the coast of California, which is a place that I love. It's so beautiful. And this was September and the race was in April. And I was like, well, I mean, it's September and the race is in April. Surely I could train to run a marathon. And so really the, the idea to, you know, run in a beautiful place that I loved was what inspired me to train for the marathon itself. Uh, and then... And then actually when I was at the, the expo for the Big Sur, I found out about the Seven Continents Club, which is a club of people who endeavor to run marathons on all seven continents. And as soon as I found out about that, I was hooked and I said, oh my gosh, I have to do that. So, uh, so that's kind of where it started. I have a lot of follow-up questions from that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but first, so when you were training for Big Sur, were you still living in Albuquerque? It was, yes. And so was that like, does it get, I don't know much about Albuquerque. Does it, it gets cold there though, right? So was it difficult to train for that marathon? It, it wasn't as difficult. The cold, it gets cold, you know, uh, colder than a lot of places. It's at altitude, so about 5,000 feet. So I think the altitude probably benefited me because Big Sur is literally at sea level. But the, the cold, I don't remember the cold being an issue because it's not cold enough for long enough for it to really matter. So it was by the time, you know, the race came around in April, it was plenty warm again in Albuquerque. So it was, it was probably more altitude and just because I'm very slow, my training runs just took me forever every time. I can so. relate to that. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So tell us, how did that first marathon go? Because I love hearing people's first marathon stories because the first one, I don't know. I feel like for me, training for the first one was you have this, like, I can do it in your head because you don't know really what you're in store for. <laughs> yes, yes. So how did how did the first race, though, actually go for you? <laughs> Yes. Great question. I, I hear you. Yes. You sort of have this delusional confidence right, that you're going right? to be amazing yeah, exactly. at it. <laughs> I think you have to, in order to yeah. sign up for a marathon because other, like the people that don't sign up are all the people that say, I could never do that. And all the people that think they can, they're like, okay, let me sign up. And then they find out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and you know, it's interesting because the way I actually did like to train was running the full distance beforehand. So I wanted to know that I could, um, although I didn't actually get all the way up to 26 miles before the Big Sur. I think I got to maybe 23. So I, I was close, but but still I had had some hard runs in training, but the marathon was harder than any of those runs. <laughs> uh, it, it was different, you know, it was, it, there, but there was all the energy and excitement of everyone around. And, and it was, so that was really cool just to be sort of in the energy and excitement of being at your very first marathon. It was actually challenging a, a little bit because it was, uh, it was cold and cloudy for that race. And I've been in Big Sur so many times when it's sunny and beautiful. And, and so there's, there was this one funny uh, place along the route that at the highest point of the route, there's a little sign that says, look back at where you've come. And you, you're supposed to be able to see the whole coastline laid out. And, and all we could see was fog. So, uh, so we didn't actually see any of that, but I, I knew what it looked like. And I was able to, you know, just 
you know, I hear, listen to the sound of the ocean and banter with the passing runners. So, so the experience was, was just really fun. Uh, but, you know, by the end, it started getting really hard and I walked more and more. And, and so it was a challenge. It took me about five hours and 45 minutes to finish. And so it was, it was difficult. I will definitely say, but certainly, I mean, probably fairly typical of a first marathon experience. Uh, the other thing that that's uh, that I tend to do when I run is I'll actually run walk. So I'll run for about five minutes and walk for a minute. So I I change it up, and that helps me kind of stay focused. So, but definitely by the end of that one, I was I was walking probably more than I was running. But uh, but yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And then you signed up for more. It's a run. I did <laughs> every continent, which. Man, I have to give you a lot of credit because, yeah, the, the first one, it's like you have that delusional confidence. And then the second one, you, yeah, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So which ones did you run on every? Because the world's a big place. <laughs> it is. It is. Yes. So uh, I, I did end up actually running Big Sur again the next year and took an hour off my time because I trained a, a lot better. And Whoa. I actually trained on the course because I lived there at that, that, that time. That's a which big accomplishment. Was, I was, <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> um, and then, and then I ran, I ran the Athens Classic Marathon, which you actually run from the town of Marathon to Athens. So, kind of cool for historical significance. Like this was the first marathon course, the actual you know history of the marathon event. Um, and then I ran the Great Wall Marathon in in Asia in in China. And I ran Africa. I ran the Safaricom Marathon in Kenya, which was in a wildlife park and. Uh, and then I ran in Antarctica, and which off the um, off the coast of the Antarctic Peninsula. And for South America, I actually ran on Easter Island or Rapa Nui, as it's called by the native population, which was, was like where all the big giant you know head statues are. And then in Australia, I ran uh, actually it was really cool the Solar Eclipse Marathon, which was uh, in Port Douglas, off uh, kind of near the Great Barrier Reef, and it was actually in conjunction with a total solar eclipse. So we actually started the race. We got to watch the eclipse and then started the race when the sun came back out from behind the moon. So that was pretty exciting. (laughs) So yeah, those are the ones that I did for the continents. So I really want to hear more about Antarctica and the one in, I'm sorry, which country in Africa? In Kenya. In Kenya. Okay. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I really want to hear about the Kenya one and the Antarctica (laughs) one, but especially, okay, Antarctica, how... It's cold. <laughs> you stay warm for that long because that's a lot. And I imagine being that cold, did it take longer to run it? You know, that, I find that if you, if you do layer up enough, you actually get warm enough running that it's not that bad. And, and I, some people. How cold passed, was it outside though, that it's not that bad? <laughs> well, I'll, okay. Let me tell you, it was, it was actually like 40 degrees, but it was also 40 mile an hour wind and it was raining and it was muddy and it was rocky. Oh and it was just, I mean, it was, it was really crazy. So, but it was not, we, we went at the end of February, which was actually kind of the end of the Antarctic summer. So it was kind of as warm as it's going to be in, in Antarctica. So, so we had that going for us. I, I, I could say that I probably run in colder runs in, in Virginia, but not, not ones with such crazy conditions as far as the wind and the rain and the mud and the whatever. So, um, so there were times actually where other runners 
had actually stripped down to their tank tops. And I, I thought they were crazy. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping all my layers on in my face mask. Like I actually, before face masks were cool, uh, I had, I had, you know, this sort of, you know, head, neck, all, you know, you could only see my eyes. People ask me, you know, I, I was wondering when you were to rob the bank, you know, cause I actually looked like a bank robber in this face mask, but it kept me warm. So yeah, you got to keep your nose warm and your cheeks. Yes. And my ear, like if my ears are cold, I'm miserable when I'm running. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> so layering up really helped. And, and, you know, I, I did warm up as I, uh, as I ran, uh, but, but, you know, I think the, the challenging part, just mentally, you know, keeping going in the wind. And there were times when I did kind of sink in mud up to my calves and, uh, and, you know, I was completely covered in mud by the end, but we had a, it was a multi-loop course and we ran various loops several times. So there were maybe a hundred people running, but you passed people a lot and cheered each other on and the staff was all cheering. And so it was, it was really cool. It actually felt like a super supportive race. So, I finished that one about about six hours, so um, it was it was actually faster than than other marathons, but but not my fastest. Yeah, still, I mean, for Antarctica to me, that sounds like a great time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be out in those elements for that long, it's incredible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, so what about? the safari one in Kenya. So were there animals like around? Um, Not, I imagine they probably didn't appreciate the running, like all the stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so they actually, during the race itself, um, were, there were not really animals around. Um, and I, I think they actually had helicopters kind of keeping an eye out for some of the bigger, more dangerous, you know, animals. Um, so, and, and kind of keeping them off the course, but uh, but we, so we went on kind of safaris before and after. Uh, so we got to see all the, the cool animals and actually driving to the race, uh, a giraffe and a zebra kind of ran across our path, which was really cool. Um, but, uh, but so we didn't see a whole lot of animals during the race itself, we, but we saw a lot uh, elsewhere. Uh, and um, yeah, and there, and we also went on some runs you know, with the wildlife in quotation marks early, earlier on, we actually did kind of run through, uh, just on training runs, kind of run through the parks and, and there's giraffes and zebras, you know, off to the side. And they're just sort of looking at us curiously, just munching on their, you know, grass and stuff. They took it all in stride. It seemed it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> did you find the animals kind of like inspiring as you were running that marathon? Yeah, I mean, just thinking about, thinking about, you know. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, thinking about, like, a cheetah or, I don't know, <laughs> tigers are faster. I don't know, but, or <laughs> female yeah. lions, like, I'm going to get there. <laughs> yes, yes, they're amazing. You know, what I what I liked the most, actually, about the run, I'll say, you know, so that was also, that was a two-lap course. And I did, I, I did pretty well the first lap, but the second half um, uh, and doing the lap again, probably took me twice as long as the first one. Uh, I just got, it got significantly harder and, and I kind of, again, slowed down a little bit more, but one of the coolest aspects was at that point, there were stretches of the, of the course where I couldn't actually see anyone ahead of me and I couldn't see anyone behind me. So I was basically alone on the Savannah and, and that was a really cool feeling. It was uh, of just kind of being one with nature. So, so with that aspect, yeah, this is just the, the nature part of it. It was really inspiring and just really awe inspiring uh, to, to just be in this wild place and, and be that connected. 
Which one do you think was your favorite one? I'm sure it's really <laughs> difficult to choose. Yes, I will say that each one of them is my favorite for something different. So, of course, they're all incredibly different, but they they all had, you know, their unique aspects that I absolutely loved. Probably the the one with the most uh, human interest story would be the Great Wall Marathon. That one was the hardest for me and it took me the <laughs> longest. And there were a lot of reasons that led into that. But that one was my favorite for teamwork and camaraderie because really nobody finished that race alone. It took a lot of uh, cheering each other on and, and partnership. And, you know, I, I had not actually run for six weeks before the marathon because I, I was having an issue with my foot. But and then once we and we, when we got there, I also realized that my race watch was dead. So I didn't know how I was going to time my runs and my walks. And so there was just all kind of, you know, situations that were stressing me out. But actually, someone on my trip offered to pace me for the first 21 miles. So and she was wow. she was a triathlete, like an Ironman triathlete. She had done an Ironman and so she could run a lot faster than I could, but she slowed down and she timed me and paced me for 21 miles and then took off because she was feeling great because uh, we you know, hadn't been going as fast as she could. So she took off and then I actually uh, continued at my own pace and then came across someone else sitting on, sitting on the steps who had just given up and, and he was just you know, not going to budge. But I sat down with him and, and talked with him and, and eventually kind of coaxed him up a few steps at a time. Like, let's just climb 10 steps and sit down. And he's like, I can do that. So we climbed up 10 steps and sat down. Climbed. And so we kind of did that and eventually came in to the finish with uh, seven minutes to spare on the time limit. So it was pretty cool. That's yeah, that's really generous of her, too, because, yeah, the <laughs> time limit on that race and also just giving up your chance, although as we talked about with uh, Anika about the, you're not going to mm -hmm. get a PR on that race. <laughs> Nobody PRs at the gray wall. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, but still, um, that's awesome. That the camaraderie. Cool. Yes. I love it. That's one of the reasons why the running community is awesome because people just help each other. And so you're a minimalist runner, right? Was mm -hmm. that always the case or how did you transition into that? Good question. So, you know, that actually happened after the first two uh, big surs that I did. And, and as I was heading into Athens, some friends of mine introduced me to the book Born to Run. I'm not sure if you've read Born to Run. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I know which book you're talking about. <laughs> yes. The book that launched the, you know, barefoot running, you know, uh, bandwagon. Uh, I, know, I know people had done it before that, but I know a lot of people kind of jumped on the, the barefoot minimalist bandwagon and I was one of them. Um, so, so I started running in, in more and more minimalist shoes. Uh, and, and the shoe, so I, so right now I kind of tend to alternate between barefoot and other minimalist shoes, like ones with zero drop. So they, so, so minimalist running is, is running in those shoes that let your feet kind of bend and flex and feel the world the way they're meant to, um, instead of having a whole lot of cushioning and having, you know, dramatically higher heels than toes and all this kind of thing. So, um, so I, I had read the book and, and I just thought everything about natural really made sense to me. So uh, natural movement and, and shifting the way that I, that, that I ran 
actually helped me feel better during my runs. So, so I used to heel strike. Um, and, and one of the big things that changes when you shift to a more minimalist or barefoot style is that you, uh, you start to, you know, land on the, the midfoot or the, or the ball of your foot. And there's a little bit, it's, it's, a, it's lighter. You don't transfer as much shock to the joints, um, but your legs get to do the, your legs and your feet are natural springs and they get to do their natural springing action um, that they can't necessarily do when you're, you know, heel striking and, um, and when the arch can't do what it's designed to do. So anyway, so just going through all that, changing my form, changing the, the way and just the, the kind of the interaction with the world um, helped me a lot. And, and I didn't, you know, I, I knew I wasn't going to run 26 miles barefoot. You know, I, I, there was just, I didn't have the time to build up to that. And that wasn't, that was just, that was maybe a little bit of a bridge too far. So, so I just kind of got in more and more minimalist shoes and ran barefoot as, uh, you know, as much as I could and, and kind of incorporated them together. So I then shifted that style throughout the course of the marathons and just loved it. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge barefoot and minimalist enthusiast as it were. And I, I think it's um, it not only did it help me with my running form, but it, it really, I think, is all about grounding and getting back in touch with the earth. And, and I think a lot of us have, you know, ha over the centuries, you know, lost that connection with the actual surface of the earth. So being barefoot, even if you're not running, you know, just going out and standing in, in the grass for, for a little while just gets you back in touch with nature and back in touch with our source, which is Mother Earth. So I was going to ask you about on your website and I think in the intro it says you describe yourself as a barefoot dancing rocket scientist so now I, I know the rocket scientist part and the barefoot part what, what's the dancing part <laughs> <laughs> so yes uh, the, the dancing part started because I, uh, I used to do a lot of social dancing so like swing and country western and, and that kind of thing fine and and I'll say that actually my uh, my husband was the first one to call me the barefoot dancing rocket scientist when he found out that that my hobbies were barefoot running and dancing and that uh, that I was an actual rocket scientist and and it stuck and so it so, but so it started out as kind of a, a shout out to things that I did but it's really become a way of being so like like the barefoot thing like I was saying it's it's really all about grounding and and connection to the earth and dancing is well I don't do so much actual dancing anymore what I what I do is dance with the universe you know so it's kind of dancing with life and and being enjoying the moment responding to things that, that, that come and, you know, reveling in synchronicity and, and dancing itself is really about connection, especially partner dancing. It's about connection with the other person and sensing the timing and, you know, leading and following and, and all of those aspects of connection are what dancing represents to me. So, um, so that's kind of that piece. And, and yes, there's the rock, the rocket science piece as a way of being. I also, find uh, as, as being symbolic of, of reclaiming our power um, so that, you know, we really were all born to feel fulfilled and fired up. And, and that's uh, what I, you know, am just 
passionate about helping other people get there and, and being there for myself and, and applying really the essence of rocket science to life as a whole. Because to me, rocket science is really about going from where you are to where you want to be. It's about acknowledging your progress and adjusting course. And it's about letting go to lift off. So that's really the essence of it. And you don't need any math for that. So, um, so I, I kind of use that philosophy in everything that I do. Big yay to the no math. <laughs> that is not my strong suit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, this question, I was just wondering from your website, it looks like you might do some yoga too. Is that the case? I do. I actually do hot yoga, Bikram yoga. Oh my gosh. You're the second person recently that I've talked to that does hot yoga. I've never tried it. I've heard some nose don't do it it's terrible and then I've met people like you that are like it's the <laughs> best uh, <laughs> do you feel like it helps with your running especially like the mindfulness part of it definitely I I think actually starting hot yoga was was one of the big things that got me more into mindfulness and and then I think in retrospect I realized that my running practice was also a mindfulness practice but, but yes, it definitely led me into the world of mindfulness. And, and I think it's, it's so different from running, but, but it's still, it's a, it's strengthening. It's, you know, there's cardiovascular and there's stretching and there's absolutely the showing yourself grace and, and, you know, being present in the moment and not judging your practice. And did I do well enough today? No, it's observing your practice and, and being okay with wherever you are, which is absolutely a thing for running as well. Definitely with every run, those are things to think about. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Um, so last, can you tell us about your book, Running the World, Marathon Memoirs from Seven Continents, which is going to be released on June 22nd, right? Yes, mm -hmm. it's um, it's coming out. Thank you. And it's actually a coffee table book. So it's about the, the races that I ran. And then there's a lot of pictures. Uh, I also happen to love photography. So I, I took tons of pictures on my trips. And so I put this book together as... Uh, just a, you know, a compilation of inspirational stories and, and photos from my journey. And, and so, you know, ostensibly it's about running marathons on all seven continents, but it's also really about the journey toward living an authentic life and redefining success uh, so that, so that you go from conditioned and sort of societal definitions of success that don't really work for people to a no kidding, uh, truly self-generated definition that is of, of success that you can live every day. So, um, so that's kind of what it's really about. I said last, last, but what I, <laughs> I think I, I also just wanted to open it up. Um, if you had anything else that you wanted to address about your running journey, um, or running in general that you wanted to share with people, maybe beginners just getting started or thinking about getting started. Yes, you know, especially for beginners, I think, you know, as we said about marathons in general, signing up, I think when you're just starting out, it's really daunting. And you think, do I, do I have what it takes? And, and I would say, you know, if you can just, again, give yourself grace and, and the freedom to, to just start and see where it goes, um, you know, for people who are just starting out, I would say, you know, you don't have to set all these crazy goals, just first day, go walk around the block, you know, and then 
maybe walk two blocks, maybe then jog a block. So it's, it's really all about taking baby steps and celebrating your wins. You know, hey, I walked around the block today. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of, of celebrating the smallest step so that you can keep yourself motivated and keep going because there's nobody, there's nobody, you know, judging you for, you know, how far you've gone or how fast you're running. So don't let anything external define, again, defining success, right? And don't let anything external define your success. You get to define it for yourself. So if you want to run, go run. Uh, if it's not for you, it's not for you and that's okay. But but if you want to get started, just uh, start small and allow yourself to start small and take the time that it takes so that you can enjoy it and not you know give up right away. All right, athletes, that's all the time we have for today's episode. Thank you again, Melissa, for making time for today's episode. If you want to order Melissa's book, maybe an autographed copy, you can find the book at www.resilienceactually.com and the link, it should also be in the episode description as well. So definitely check out Melissa's website, resilienceactually.com, where you can find her awesome book that has a ton of really great photos. Um, It's Running the World, Marathon Memoirs from the Seven Continents. And I also wanted to thank you, the listener, for choosing to listen to this podcast out of everything else you could be listening to. So thanks again. I try to say it at the end of every episode, but you know who you are and you're amazing. Um, Last on the agenda, I started a new Instagram today, today being uh, the day before this episode gets released when I'm recording this exit. Um, But I started a new Instagram to separate my personal journey from, you know, like the boring marketing posts, but sometimes informative and sometimes fun marketing posts. So please follow at Outside on Instagram, but also follow Outside.yoga.running to find out about upcoming classes, projects, and also um, sometimes I just post like really fun graphics or like inspirational graphics. So there is gonna be another episode after this, yay. Um, It's going to come out on July 12th, so put that on your calendars, keep an eye out on social media, Uh, but we have another amazing athlete to talk to, so tune in next time on July 12th.